0: hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the young wealth creation podcast it's been a few weeks since i've posted anything but my idea is to keep content on this podcast channel relevant and engaging not just to force out content for the sake of it for that reason i'm going to start shifting into a fortnightly episode and take the discussion onto a fortnightly basis this week i'm going to take a look into some of the business news in victoria and australia first up They're looking into some market movement, especially in a few different sectors, which have been engaging for me this year and believe uh, that will continue to outperform the rest of the market. Then later on, we're going to have a deep dive into the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency. I believe it's a sector that's prone for growth, especially times in economic depressions, and therefore has a spot in everyone's portfolio. As our economy starts to move out of lockdown and back into normal life, Unemployment and unemployment figures are the key metric to see how well the economy is moving back to normal and how well people are able to rejoin their previous jobs and continue in employment. Sadly, unemployment has nudged higher in September up to 6.9% with another almost 30,000 people out of work. For the second consecutive month, Australia's labour force outperformed expectations, although underemployment and youth unemployment continues to worsen. That is a key metric right now and it's a different distinguishing factor. Usually economists and different economic media outlets will focus on that unemployment rate, which is the number of people who are out of work but willing and able to work, instead of the underemployment rate, which are the currently employed people who are willing and able to increase a level of employment. This could be someone working you know, five, six hours casually, but is willing and able to work up to 20 hours. They have the ability and the want to increase their work capacity, but aren't able to. So therefore, even increasing jobs or getting people back into jobs, but only having them work less hours and less shifts is not nearly as efficient as having them working the full amount as they are able to. The current underemployment rate is rising, sitting at 11.4%. I still don't think this is accurate, and clearly underemployment must be greater than 11.4%, especially looking at the current economic climate. Uh, those metrics will start coming out more into the future. Over the last month, there's been an increase in 8.7 million hours worked, but clearly that's not a representation of what's going on in the economy right now. The Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe said a recovery in the Australian economy is now underway, quote-unquote, but the shape and nature of it remains highly uncertain. The federal budget projected that unemployment would reach 7.25% by 2020, 2021 and delivered more than $30 billion of tax concession to businesses and $18 billion of income tax concessions to household in order to spur the economic recovery by lowering that taxable amount. The key metric that I want to see here is there is now around half a million people under the age of 35 losing their jobs in the early stages of the coronavirus pandemic. And around 300,000 of those people still out of work in August now. It's that metric of the younger people, more inexperienced workers, uh, not having high roles in businesses. Those are the people that aren't able to get back into work, but those are the income earners that will continue to be able to provide income for the economy and continue to drive economic growth into the future. So it's that category of people, even younger, closer to, to 20, 25 year olds, which will be in the economy and contributing to... Uh, tax revenue for the government for generations but still isn't able to get back into work and find those jobs that they previously had. The government is starting to implement different fiscal policy measures but it's still that younger category of people that have been impacted the most. We're seeing that the Victorian underemployment rate is much higher than the rest of the country at 14.9% recorded but it's still the younger people who are unable to get back into jobs. Thankfully the government is... Put in some sort of policies to help the younger people get back into work with four billion dollars of youth wage subsidies to help younger people find employment again especially that apprenticeship subsidy which was implemented into the new budget that will help younger people find employment again and get them into new jobs by having their income subsidized by the government however as the government starts to lift job, job keeper and job seeker subsidies Slowly by slowly workers, especially the low-income workers, those expendable part-time and casual workers, will continue to suffer the most. They're going to have lower shifts, lower operating shifts. They're going to start earning less money and lose, continue to lose jobs towards the new year. I hope, and I hope that the government right now, especially in Victoria, is able to better communicate what's happening on a federal level. Clearly, there's a difference in what's going on now in Victoria to the economic climate around the rest of the country. Therefore it's not feasible to have the same sort of fiscal policy response and the same sort of wage subsidy response in Victoria as the rest of the state. You know, they should have extended the job keeper and job seeker payment in Victoria, maybe started to lower them in the rest of the state in order to compensate for that, because it is the Victorians that are hurting the most as the rest of the country is going back to normal moving on into what's happening in business and industry one salient market that i'm really looking into right now is the airline market over the last few decades it's been a clear duopoly between virgin and qantas but slowly but slowly the market is shifting into a complete monopoly with qantas taking most of control over the regional and australian generally airspace The owner now of Virgin Australia, a US private equity group called Bain Capital, has been accused of misleading Australians over its plans for the airline after replacing the company's chief executive officer. What's happening now is a lot of people, especially in Virgin, are having their jobs gone away and Virgin is slowly orienting away from the premium airline market in Australia and moving towards a sort of budget airline offering. The reason why I wanted to highlight this story is not necessarily because it's part of the aviation market, but it does signify how different markets in the current economy, the Australian economy, are going to start to orient away from having large numbers of sellers and different providers to more of a centralized approach. Companies before, large ones, including Virgin, which were debtor to their heads, had huge amounts of debt. Uh, prior to the pandemic now through a pandemic and through an economic downturn which they would never have been able to forecast but should have had some some level of understanding of how the economy would respond are now having significant issues and this reorientation of small markets is going to have a huge impact into the way consumers interact with producers and the way markets occur in the future we might see a shift instead of having a lot of produce in the market those small businesses, which are going to start closing down, from that to having a few lower, low amounts of centralised providers. An example is the aviation market. Previously, you had Qantas and Virgin competing as some sort of price, uh, price competition with that duopoly in the market. Now, with Virgin out of the picture, essentially out of the picture, it's Qantas which is going to have a huge amount of control over the aviation space in in Australia, and that's going to have long-reaching and long-lasting effects. Next, I'd like to take a look at some smaller sectors in the economy right now, those that have been performing really well, given the current level of restrictions. We know retail, hospitality, those larger sectors have been impacted significantly. Minerals, non-energy and energy minerals, other energy services, financial services, utilities. These have all been negatively impacted due to the world decrease in commodity prices generally, especially those lower, lower oil prices. I want to look at specifically into the commercial services sector the technology services sector and the health technology services sector we know technology has been a sector for growth in the world markets this year especially and from the health technology sector we've seen rises of 13.6 percent year to date large technology sector companies health technology sector companies sorry include those like csl um other large service companies which have been developing vaccines and stuff for the coronavirus but have also seen large increases in sales in in various pharmaceuticals this sector has always been that larger blue chip style sector offering high dividend yield but with low stock movement clearly this year during the current pandemic people have become more fearful into the viability of their of their services and switch towards purchasing from large health providers again like CSL, ResMed, Fisher & Paykel, Cochlear, these are all large health sector companies. On a more interesting note, due to the shifts from people working on site to now in home, the technology services sector has risen by 80% this year. It's been headlined with changes in the company Afterpay. We all know of the huge run that Afterpay is going on right now. Again, I'm not a very optimistic person about this about this stock long term due to it's still relatively low profit margin it's huge price to earnings trading right now they've obviously gone on a huge run since the start of the year um and whoever got into that obviously did really really well and should be really happy with what they've achieved on, the, on that stock but generally over the long term i still think the company has some sort of value but i think it's significantly overvalued for their ability and their current assets right now Also, we've seen huge rises in the commercial services sector. Um, These are services which people require right now, especially being at home. These include such as realestate.com as people are now shifting into purchasing property online. Seek Limited as people are trying to find online work, car sales as well. These are all on the same vein. We're seeing this shift away from these in-person sectors uh, through the requirement of digital and digital spaces in order to trade. Obviously, I think this change will be permanent and you should all be looking into how you can again spread your money around into these styles of businesses. These smaller companies are now are now growing a lot a lot quicker than they than they've done before. We've seen rises from companies which offer these neo banking style services as well as other digital space services. Over this week, the startup Doe uh, quadrupled in price went from a few cents I think it's around 30 cents now they did really really well through their IPO open pay zip pay these companies continue to outperform and will continue to do well through this current unease of times therefore I'd urge you all to try and diversify and look into these these smaller companies these companies which will have a place in the economic future now that we've looked into a few of the news stories of the week and shifts in the current economic landscape of the ASX especially, we're gonna take a deep dive into blockchain and blockchain technology, especially cryptocurrencies. Blockchain and cryptocurrency has been in the media a lot recently due to its large increases in price, especially in Bitcoin and Ethereum, these two large cryptocurrencies over the last 12 months, especially in the last couple of months when we've seen a huge breakout in the cryptocurrency prices from that there's been a lot of fear a lot of anticipation into what cryptocurrency can hold and what happens is there's a lot of influx in younger people trying to get involved in the cryptocurrency space but at the same time there's a whole lot of misinformation where people are getting burnt and people are losing money just because of the lack of information in the space now and the lack of good accessibility to information about what's going on some people think cryptocurrency is stored on your phone it's like a file on your phone other people think cryptocurrency is stored on the cloud, other people have no real idea about what cryptocurrency is. That's due to that huge lack of information right now. What cryptocurrency is essentially is an application of blockchain technology. Blockchain is just a way of record keeping or storing data. And it is the backbone of the Bitcoin network and all other cryptocurrency networks. There's a good chance that it only makes so much sense as we don't really know what this data technique and this data gathering technique is. What essentially blockchain is, it's a distributed, decentralized public ledger. To quickly just see what blockchain is, it's at its most basic level, blockchain is just a literally a chain of blocks, but not in the traditional sense of a real life block. When we say the words block and chain in this context, we are actually talking about digital information called the block, which is stored in a public data place, which is the chain. Blocks on the blockchain are made up of digital pieces of information, which have three parts. These are, firstly, blocks store information about transactions like the date, time, and dollar amount of your most recent purchase on Amazon, for example. It stores a data record of that transaction. Secondly, blocks store information about who is participating in the transaction. In the example that you are shopping online on Amazon, those two parties are you the buyer and Amazon the seller. Instead of using real names like your name and Amazon's name, everyone has their own digital signature which is the name of their wallet and their wallet address. Thirdly, blocks store information that disguises them from other blocks. Much like you and I have names to disguise us from one another, each block stores a unique code called a hash that allows it to, to be told apart from any other blocks. Hashes are cryptographic codes created by specific algorithms. What these essentially do, it allows any given person to search up on the blockchain based on that unique hash to see the data from that block and to see that transaction take place. From this blockchain database, strings of data can be collected and thus transactions can be recorded. That's the basis of the blockchain and cryptocurrency technology. It's a way of recording transactions publicly, which is open and secured by the network itself. The use of this technology has many applications. Cryptocurrency is one of them, but data storage is another big one of them. So we see data storage businesses as well starting up through the blockchain space, such as ones which let you store your data on the cloud, ones that to record data in real time, which is trustless and secured, But the largest use of the blockchain technology right now is the cryptocurrency space currently there are millions of people around the world who have a portion of bitcoin which is just one form of cryptocurrency it's the largest form of cryptocurrency it's been around for the longest in terms of the cryptocurrency space but blockchain itself is an old technology started in the late 20th century with this trustless profile of the cryptocurrency space these digital currencies serve as a way of people to have some sort of trust in the banking sector in some third world countries and smaller economies there, there have been issues of hyperinflation such as venezuela and argentina there are places around the world also where people don't trust their banking system we saw a huge uproar happening in lebanon where a lot of people were unable to access the banking space where there was complete civil unrest about what was going on there previously in around 2010-2012 there was issues in greece where people could only take 50 euros a day out of the bank. Blockchain and digital currencies remove this risk. It ensures that the protocol is trustless. There will never be a barrier to entry into the cryptocurrency that you own, given that you've stored it properly, it's in your wallet properly. No one's going to be able to take that away from you. And for a lot of people, it's a way to liberate themselves, to detach themselves from the centralized banking system that occurs right now. Although this seems good and all, there is a huge expectation that. Coin of digital currency might not have the legs that we might anticipate of. There's a huge barrier to entry, especially in traditional financing space, due to the large control of central banks, due to the large power that banks have over the economy right now, and therefore entering that space is not as easy as it might seem. Therefore, there's a huge risk, especially in currencies and cryptocurrencies, which aren't some of those mainstays. If you're not investing into Bitcoin or Ethereum or a huge other array array of coins which have some experience in the market, there's a huge chance that that money could go down to zero. And it's happened to a lot of cryptocurrencies investors in the past, like myself, right? That's a given risk when when you're investing in such a risky asset. So making a tiny allocation towards Bitcoin doesn't absolve investors of the need to do their homework before buying. They should get schooled on digital assets as well as the uh, underlying blockchain technology itself then see if blockchain and cryptocurrencies are space for them bitcoin and digital currencies are inherently risky but it's the younger group of people which are more interested in these digital technologies and which will have the ability to understand how the application of blockchain and cryptocurrency does have merit in the future therefore if you are a young person I'd urge you not only just listen to my podcast but to take some few steps to see blockchain's application in the real world as well as some great educational tools released from a few large companies. I know Binance and Coinbase, which are large cryptocurrency exchanges, have an education sector on their site which has small bite-sized videos which explain quite in quite depth and with with an ease to understand uh, the different cryptocurrencies out there right now, why they are so large, what's their contribution to the cryptocurrency space and why that could be a potential investment for you. If you feel personally that you are risk tolerant uh, that, you can, that you can take on a, some risk and with knowing that, that your money could really go down to zero, uh, cryptocurrency could be a good tool to have in your portfolio and having a small fraction of cryptocurrency into your portfolio does still mean you'll have a huge uh, net upside exposure into what's going on in the cryptocurrency space while trying to keep your variability and your risk tolerance low what generally a lot of experts say is to have between one and two percent of your portfolio in crypto assets if you're more on the enthusiastic side you might push towards 10 15 20 percent but that small allocation is appropriate for young professional and young professional investors who want to have exposure to this new space. This is a new asset class. It's uncorrelated to any asset class right now. And as global markets change, cryptocurrency could be a good hedge to what's going on in the, in the global space. We saw how quickly cryptocurrency recovered through the downbreak of the coronavirus pandemic. It gained a huge amount over, over other markets. Uh, and perform similarly to gold as those two are seen to be hedges to the current financial space. There is no real set allocation for which I would urge you to contribute your portfolio towards cryptocurrency. I just say to get educated into this space as much as you can and it is a good way to help diversify your portfolio, to get exposure into a new emerging asset class and to contribute to a new wave of technology so if you are interested into the cryptocurrency space i'm going to leave a few links in the description below especially looking into coinbase earn so this is a feature from the coinbase app which allows you to learn about different cryptocurrency assets as well as binance academy which explains how cryptocurrency blockchain works as as well as a deep dive into different cryptocurrencies as well these are all from beginner courses to more advanced uh, bits of information so it's a a great resource for you guys to look into also if you ever wanted to get started into your into investing in blockchain and cryptocurrency i'd recommend coinjar also leave a link for them down below Um, they offer really easy products as well as offering to have uh, Australian bank account deposits and withdrawals meaning entering and exiting the cryptocurrency space is really easy they allow you to trade on their app and on their website as well as offer unique bundle products. So just from a click of a button you can set reoccurring purchasing um, of groups of assets so it could be a uh, you know Bitcoin, ethereum, uh, xrp crypto.com coin you know all these different coins bundling into one product, and purchase them really easily. Obviously, these are more simpler websites and designed for people that are entering into the market. You might not be able to get the best prices or the best spreads on the market right now, but it's a great way for everyone to access the market and to be able to enter and exit the cryptocurrency space with ease. Over the next weeks and months, I'd like to explore more into the cryptocurrency space, especially the decentralized finance space, which is an emerging technology um, and it allows for people to get exposed into the credit to the credit space a lot easily and to the uh, Lending space a lot easily too from both sides and those products that are available right now Obviously crypto is quite the Wild West right now. There's hardly any regulation to what goes on There's easy ways where you guys can make money and lose money so I'd be super careful into what you're investing in make sure you really do your own research Not just look into some Facebook posts or look into some random videos. Uh, Look into what these protocols mean. Uh, Look into what cryptocurrency space really, really means for all of you. But I definitely think it's a a great investment of time. And if you can work out a way where you can have a small allocation of your portfolio into cryptocurrency, it gives you that exposure into the future of some digital technologies, as well as acting as a hedge to what's going on the market right now, as it is completely a different asset class. I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode i'm really glad to be back podcasting um, but i still have a lot of different other stories to share i know i'm quite enthusiastic about how i talk about different uh, different topics of the week uh, but i'm also super excited to get to know and grow a community who is interested especially in the investment space because i know there's not many voices especially young voices discussing that so hopefully over the next weeks and months we can continue to grow our community and beyond Thank you so much for listening into this week. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Have a good day.